Hey, everybody, hit subscribe now because you're going to want to be subscribed before you found out Mark's Movie Collection is the coolest podcast about movies. And I will tell you why. Because this episode, we are talking about a movie that maybe you remember seeing on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. But no one remembers this fucking movie, except for me and a friend of mine, apparently. And this is 1985's My Science Project, a teen movie about conspiracies and aliens and nerds and cool people and gearheads and superchargers. And did I mention aliens? Oh, and extra dimensionality and Dennis Hopper. Check the trailer. That's a lot of energy. It's because I'm home alone for the first time in months and i can just yell to my heart's content and i'm so happy about it and i just want to point out that it won't be all yelly all the time that was just like a that was a fun thing that i i was just finally able to let loose it felt good it felt right anyway on with the on with the thing In 1955, an extraordinary object landed on Earth. Has the uh, press gotten wind of this yet? We don't think so, sir. If this got out, it could change the course of civilization. Briefly. Well, they pulled the engine out. Get rid of it. In 1985, seniors at Kit Carson High... Hey, school tax jellyfish, come on, come on, come on. ...were working on their science projects when Mike Harlan discovered the engine. I wonder what this thing runs on. Unleaded. He fixed it. Yeah. Unless your project is Dino Supreme, you both get Ds. Hey, I'll take it. And he called it My Science Project. Oh, oh. But he didn't turn it in. Oh. He turned it loose. I've seen lights like this at Ozzy Osbourne concert. This is bigger than the planet. Is this like when you told us we could smoke banana peels? <laughs> Great, there goes my D. Uh-oh. It's, it's dangerous. You could wind up in another dimension. Something tells me we ain't in Kansas no more, Toto. <laughs> hey, Sherman, what's he saying? Going to kick the eye. What are we gonna do? About one to five of good behavior. Hit the blower! Whoa, now we are talking hyperspace! My Science Project. Now that was a ride! Alright, so that was the trailer for my science project and um there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to talk about i'm not going to do it as in depth because i'm i'm going to say this with all the love in the world because i do love this movie but it doesn't warrant the investigation that some of the other movies warrant this movie uh, hmm. I don't know. L let's talk about it a, a little bit, and then I will sum up my thoughts, I guess. And I have I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of 
commentary, I think I may actually release a commentary track for this movie, and I might do it with friends. I might consider that an option, and I'll see how that goes. I will see if that is possible. I'm very interested in it, though, because it's a fun one. It's not a good one, but it is definitely a fun one. And there is a difference between good movies and fun movies, and you can you can really like a movie. It is possible for people to like a lot of movies, but that does not make them good. That does not mean that they are good movies. That just means that you like it, and that's okay. That is fine. I like my science project. It is not good. With all the love in the world to everybody that participated, it is not good. I would say that generally... This movie suffers from 80s plot uncertainty, maybe is the best way to put it. 80s plot uncertainty. It was written by the director, Jonathan Butel, uh, who, you know, Fisher Stevens is on a uh, kind of a behind the scenes or an interview thing. It's not behind the scenes because there was no behind the scenes from this movie, but Fisher Stevens in the future is on, on kind of an interview about the movie and he had a blast and I believe it. I believe it one because Fisher Stevens is awesome, but two because his character of Vinny is the comedic center of the movie and he has a lot of the best lines. I also think he might be the best actor in the movie, so that doesn't hurt necessarily. Uh, he might also have had the best part, but I think that he turned in the best performance. Because Raphael Sbarge is um, a somewhat known actor, but his um, his Sherman was excessively stereotypical. It was rough. It was very difficult to watch. John Stockwell is like the car guy, and it's okay. He's not guy's not like acting super hard, you know. Um. Not to say he's not trying, he's just, he's not, you know, he's not going too far. Uh, he's been in some stuff, for sure, but nothing to write home about. He was like Cougar in Top Gun, he was uh, the writer of Rockstar, apparently, wow, okay. So he's turned into writer-director, directed The L Word, and things like that. Uh, so, you know, some other stuff in there as well, but... A, a, a different turn of, of his career, right? So, that's all cool. That's all good. Not a problem. Danielle von, von Zernick, you know, showed up, for sure. But her part, maybe not the best. And there's some other folks and Dennis Hopper. And we'll talk about Dennis Hopper. But what I want to know is they are, they're in like an auditorium style classroom. And what fucking subject is this in high school science? Is this biology? Is this fucking earth science? What is this? Because they're just like, what's your science project? Dennis Hopper's like, what's your science project? And people are coming up with the most random shit. So it's very 80s, just plot ambivalent. Like I don't, things have to happen and they'll just happen as, as they do, as they will as they want, so to speak. So don't sweat the plot too hard, but it starts out in a hangar in, you know, 1950-whatever, I believe Roswell era, maybe, perhaps, and I'm not going to check this, 
Eisenhower was president. However, Eisenhower is the president involved. And if this is Roswell, this is Roswell, New Mexico. That doesn't fully make sense because the movie is ostensibly set in Carson, Nevada, even though I thought that they had, or Carson City, Nevada, I should say, even though I thought that they had California license plates, it makes sense because Michael's dad, uh, Michael Harlan, who is uh, the main character played by John Stockwell, his dad says that he runs off to Reno to get married, and Carson City is 35 miles from Reno, so that sounds very plausible. And on the radio, they say that somebody was wanted for a Carson, the bombing of Carson power lines. So one would assume it's Carson City. I don't know of an aircraft boneyard near Carson City, but there are plenty. There's uh, Victorville, there's a bunch of Nevada, there's one off of uh, Tucson, one right outside of Tucson. There's a lot. So not going to go into that tier of analysis. Going to just skip over it. It's all good. Carson City, Nevada, cool. No problem. This ends up feeling, this this feels like a, a few different things. And they, they dismantle the UFO with a fucking laser. And I really wanted to think about the UFO and what, if the engine that they pulled is what they call the gizmo or the MacGuffin or what. It's very confusing. But in the 94 minutes, uh, again, by the numbers, 94 minutes, release date, August 9, 1985, box office of 4 million, no budget that I could find, right? Uh, let's just double check IMDB real quick and see if there's an estimated budget. I would not estimate a budget on this. Cumulative worldwide gross is four mil. That is not good. It's not an expensive movie. However, it, um, oh boy, oh boy, did it struggle in the box office. So it made it to TV syndication kind of thing pretty quick. So they, they dismantle the fucking thing with a laser, and that aircraft hangar feels a lot like the aircraft hangar in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a movie which I don't fully hate. I like parts of it genuinely 100%, and I like the intention behind it. However, as many people have talked about, the overuse of green screen, the underuse of on-location footage and practicals, are they hurt the movie a bit. And they allow a lot of fancy where sometimes, you know, people need to be like, we maybe shouldn't do that and should do something else. But there's a lot of good things in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I will argue those points. Not now. Just I'm saying in general. I would argue that there is good things in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. People are very upset about the refrigerator. I'm very happy about the refrigerator because we get that lead-lined insert. That is the type of gag that you would see in that movie. This is not a defense of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but also it is. It's not a good movie. It is a fun movie, and I like it to a certain extent because there's definitely things I don't like. But generally, the beginning of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the first half, I'm very into. So this almost feels like it could be a direct sequel to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that maybe Michael Harland was like... Uh, Mutt Williams the third or the fourth or something like that, this gearhead that finds some UFO shit from a fucking warehouse. Well, it's dumped in a, an aircraft boneyard, right? But from some military warehouse, and it's very compelling. And the music communicates that to me as well. The score of the movie, especially when he's finding this fucking object, this engine, this thing, feels very Raiders to me. 
extremely Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, I am shocked how Raiders of the Lost Ark it felt. But it felt good. It felt great. So, not mad at it, so to speak. I'm pretty okay with it. And having uh, having Dennis Hopper come back as a hippie science teacher after all his drug problems was very fun because he... Homeboy is out there. Dennis Hopper is wild. But I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions and I will kind of... Oh, here we go. Family song. Gotta shut up now. feel that this sounds any different it's it's the air conditioner so where was i i don't know notepad there we go yeah so michael is kind of a, a dumb gearhead type however he's maybe a little more than that and perhaps in some original screenplay or story idea or whatever the case was that existed in a stronger way. However, it didn't really come through in the, in the, the movie, my science project, so to speak. There's an entire breakup sequence with his girlfriend, Crystal, who is kind of popular and hot and cool and all these things. And, you know, she drops a lot of, what uh, a, a dude, a high school dude might be upset about like Cosmo stuff and things like that. But at the end of the day, she wasn't happy and she made her move and that's all there is to it. But kind of there's an element of if she doesn't want me, well, tough, you know, however, he's upset about it. That entire sequence was ADR'd, and I will point out that there's a lot of ADR in this movie, and I don't know why, but when you're watching it in Blu-ray quality, 1080p, uh, or 1080-30 or 1080-24, whatever the case is, it's very um, it's very off-putting, I should say, once once you realize, oh, this 90% of this movie has been ADR'd. Anything that was wide had been ADR'd, even though occasionally it would switch back to some type of close mic. So boom or otherwise, and it sounded okay. So I don't know what the problem was. It could have been handling noise. Uh, sometimes the ADR was dialogue replacement because of language. It looked like, it seemed like, because I think that this movie was trying to hit a rated R and got uh, PG 
you know, or a PG-13 and got a PG. Again, a weird feeling of, we don't know who this is for, so we're going to make it for everybody, hopefully. And it, it didn't quite work out because PG kids don't know what high school is like, and a lot of these people look like they are 25. So it's definitely interesting, but there's a lot of adult jokes, especially with regards to Vinny. Vinny does all types of adult things, and Vinny uses language which is not technically foul language censored by PG or PG-13. However, it is uh, not language that we would use today. So one could call it bigoted language, and putting that stuff in a movie for kids seems counterintuitive. This is my point. It just seems counterintuitive. You know, there's also, again, 80s stuff like Ellie Sawyer, who is played by uh, Danielle Von Zernick, works for the newspaper, and she accosts Harlan, uh, Mike Harlan, Michael Harlan, in the beginning of the movie with threats of putting weird headlines in the yearbook, and it was unclear as to how much the yearbook was a newspaper, because she actually drops the log line Bimbo leaves Harlan in limbo as a, a possibility for the yearbook. And I don't know, man. Maybe I don't know how yearbooks work. Maybe that's just it. I don't know. But it was odd. There's a lot of things that were odd. But Ellie Sawyer has major season one Dana Scully vibes. And there's some X-File vibes in this. I think that the writer's room of the X-Files was very tapped into my science project because you could call Harlan, Mulder, Sawyer, Scully, and Vinny would be essentially the three of the lone gunmen rolled into one. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. The MacGuffin is a plasma ball. I just, I really want to come back around to to Fisher Stevens. I think he's great. I I know that in modern day eyes, not all those roles were wonderful, but I thought he was Indian for years. I thought he was Indian for a long time. So a testament to Fisher Stevens. You know, again, the movie feels very Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even in the underground bunker, there's the shafts of light and the score. The goon squad that is hired, enlisted, I guess, by Sherman to hired, I guess, because he pays them to harass Harlan and Vinny. They end up with Stormtrooper and a Darth Vader mask. And how they license that from Lucasfilm seems seems interesting. And they sound like they're from New York. It's just, it's very confusing. But I can only think that somebody very involved in Lucasfilm made this movie happen. And then they just called in every favor. There's a lot of Ghostbusters uh, FX vibes here as well. You know, in typical 80s fashion, the... The second act is kicked off by a character who does something completely inadvisable. I, it, it, it's real, uh, you know, it's just, it's really dumb. And even at points, uh, Mike Harlan, who is a mechanic, does things that are super dumb. It's just, I guess we're, we are, to quote, to quote Vinny, we're talking about the flip side of reality here. And then, you know, they go and look stuff up in a book that just says time, ellipses, and space on the next page. And it, it, it really is great. 
this um this movie's great. This movie is very stereotypically eighties, mid eighties, eighty five. It has a an original theme song called My Science Project by the Tubes. And it isn't the worst. I would say it's a discount Oingo Boingo. Basically. Uh weird science meets Dead Man's Party in a way. Definitely not on that tier of fame or notoriety, but in the vein, in the the ilk, uh, in the same ilk of the same ilk, no, um, just you know, influenced by, we we'll call it that. I do want to talk about my favorite scene. My favorite scene is when they outrun the Gizmos Pulse with the supercharger, and Harlan hits the switch on the supercharger on his GTO. He has a, a 70 GTO, I believe, or 71, which is similar to the Judge used in Two-Lane Blacktop, which is an old episode. You should check that out of Mark's movie collection. That's unusual. Having a clutched supercharger is unusual, but not unheard of. It would be unusual for a roots blower of that size. However, that blower would have made the most piercing whine, which would explain perhaps a lot of ADR in the movie, because if it were active, which I mean, I, I didn't terribly pay attention to it. It's very possible that it wasn't. And it was just for show. Um, it would just go all the time. But there were cars, production cars, primarily that had clutched superchargers, the Mercedes Benz E55 from the, I believe, late nineties, early two thousands. So maybe 2000 model year, 2000, 2005 or something like that. Um, the supercharged one, the E55 compressor so to speak, had a clutched supercharger. That's a fact. It's really weird, but it's a fact. And that scene was cheap, no doubt, but it was pretty badass. It was pretty badass. And, um, you know, Vinny gets to illustrate one more of his many TV and movie references. And he even points out at one point, it's like, good thing, I, you know, 17 years of TV down the drain. Like, Vinny is almost using TV as a personality. Whoa, <laughs> fucking shots fired. I feel attacked. Okay. But he uh, he says, I, I kind of feel like Gregory Peck in the Guns of Navarone. And he's strapped with dynamite and lighting a cigarette. It's pretty great. I liked it. The time travel stuff in the school is pretty great. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a couple Easter eggs there. Like the, what is called the Neanderthals. Kind of like more akin to a monkey man from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Or the only named one from the book is Moonwatcher. Who is the one that discovers weapons, so to speak. You know, then there was Romans, Vietnam, post-apocalyptic mutants. I feel like these are all commentaries on on violence, imperialism, and and more imperialism, and more violence. The Vietnam War was eleven years prior to this movie coming out, and it was it was definitely in the zeitgeist. So choosing Vietnam was not an accident whatsoever. But that entire sequence was pretty cool. We learn about Sherman. You know, we come out of it better than we did. We turn, we, we find out that Ellie's like a ride or die chick. The movie doesn't explore how, how fucking rowdy she could get, right? She kind of gets knocked out and is like, oh no, have to be rescued. But I'm sure, like in the original screenplay, she fucking ripped somebody's throat out or something. And, uh, you know, that leads up to kind of a, a Stranger Things 3 ending where Mike gets sucked up into the gizmo-like hopper, and, uh... Hey, Duffer Brothers? Duffer Brothers? I see you. 
I see you, Duffer Brothers. I like it. But surprisingly, this movie does not mention commies once that I recall. You know, and we get Dennis Hopper coming out with like an Easy Rider cameo, almost, you know, kind of. And uh, we get a Raiders of the Lost Ark ending a little bit, just with the hole in the ground, not with a warehouse, but similar vibes. I, I feel like, I guess to sum everything up, I feel like fans made this movie. I feel like fans made this movie and there was some ambition and perhaps it was a victim of circumstance, of budget, of production, of things. But I think that's why it connected with me. I genuinely feel like it was meant to be rated higher than it was, and that already can really put a, a damper on a movie, as we know, from more recent events. But it, it captured me as a child. It spoke to me as a child. The concept of a science project really popping off really spoke to me as a child. And as an adult, I can appreciate it for what it is. Like I said, it's not a good movie. But it is a fun one. And in that vein, this movie also has the trailer for The Manhattan Project, which is another movie that came out about the same time that I also saw on Saturday or Sunday afternoons that I also liked about a, a kid who builds an atomic bomb, basically like a kid genius, because I, I don't know, being a kid genius felt fucking rad. The credits do show some some movie clips, some clips of what could have been deleted scenes because they were not in the movie, and then some stills from the movie. And there's a lot of humor there. It's mostly focused on Vinny, and I feel like a lot of that was probably meandering, but probably also a result of trying to achieve the rating that it did. So this has been My Science Project, the 1985 film. Just a fun one, just a quick one, just hanging out, just talking about a movie that I liked. So, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at CoolMarkD, Cool with a C and Mark with a K. If you hear the baby yelling in the background, I'm going to go handle that now. And uh, hit me up. Let me know. I don't know what the next episode is going to be like, but I should be on on the subject. And future edit. And the Not Just Heathers podcast, which is the guest companion to Just Heathers podcast. Heather Welch of Sunshine and Power Cuts fame and the Sunshine Summit notoriety, perhaps, and International Podcasters Day and a, a bunch of other wonderful events. So I'm going to be on those two podcasts pretty soon. I haven't recorded them yet. I don't know what day they'll be out. However, it is more likely that they will be out than I will release another episode, which is why I'm putting that on there. And I look forward to very much to being on those podcasts i'm very excited so future edit those podcasts at some point in the future i'll i will probably make a post on twitter i may not i don't know but i'm gonna go handle this i will see you uh love everybody wear a mask stay safe black lives matter i'm out <laughs>